Welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life. And today, is it possible to find happiness or to feel happiness in dark, hard times? We're not talking about kind of happy, happy, play around, pretending kind of happiness, but the deeper kind, the kind that really makes a difference in your life. Also, could you have some misunderstandings? Could we all have some misunderstandings? about where to find how to have that deeper kind of happiness in our lives. That's what Peter and I are going to talk about today. And we think right now, at this time, this is the most helpful thing we can do with everything that's happening out there. And you know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today, we continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with 50 years, almost, oops, almost 50 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of our real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn grow and thrive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she gave it away already. So, I mean, she told you the whole thing. I didn't answer the questions. Oh. See, I, I, I gave them the questions to pique their interest and ours because it piqued mine when you started talking about this this morning. This is a good one. Um, we're going to speak in language. We actually are taking excerpts from this from the AARP latest magazine from an article called Happiness in Hard Times. And it goes right along with the kind of thing that we talk about regularly, using a little bit different language. Um, you know, to be honest with you, as, before I read it, if I would have heard that, I would have said, are they kidding me? Happiness. Um, but they're not talking about the Hollywood version. They're not talking about pretense. They're not talking about happy birthday parties and things like that. They're not, that's not what they're talking no. about at all. Um, and I, I, you know, to be honest with you, after everything that's been going on, um, with the riots and the all the very negative, horrible things that we're seeing with anger, and, and uh, I, I tell you the truth, I, I was very cautious today about wanting to talk about that um, because I think there's enough neg negativity between the, the effects of the COVID-19 virus and now all of these demonstrations and anger and all the media just fueling um, so much of this, which is a shame. Um, and it's just taking a lot of people that are filled with frustration yes. and anger, and it's giving them an outlet that is very dangerous. Um, so, you know, I, I look at that, I frankly, I have my own opinions about it and my own feelings about it. I don't see cops as all bad. I know there are some bad apples. The guy that uh, caused the death of George Floyd, absolutely a very bad apple. Um, but George Floyd was no angel either. And uh, he had a criminal history, and he'd done some really horrible, insensitive things, too. So to put him up as a martyr and a hero doesn't add up to me either. But uh, that doesn't justify a murderous cop, though. But that doesn't, though, that particular guy does not reflect on the whole, uh, all the police. <laughs> you know, to me, that's ridiculous. And there's a lot of saber-rattling right now about, you know, dismantling police. And I, I mean, I find it laughable. Because um, it's never going to happen, and it shouldn't. Um, anyway, so 
when I, I see all this, and we all are seeing it, we all have been cooped up now for two months, and there's been so much fear, there's been so much crisis and trauma, um, you know, I think, now do we, is that really what we want to talk about? Um, or do we want to really talk about what it's going to take for people to get through this and find meaning and purpose through it all? And um, to find the possibilities of what real happiness means. And to tell you the truth, I don't think you can find it until you go through the adversities and difficulties in time. Because it, it, it doesn't have the same meaning at all. Yeah, no, we've talked about this. This is very much what we have shared uh, over and over, um, how we see the value of coming through hard times. Absolutely. And, you know, I, this article is just filled with good examples. Um, and a lot of psychologists are, are, are referred to that have done some beautiful work, really, on um, finding the meaning and the purpose of through all of these challenges that people go through and using examples of other crises and people that have faced other difficulties, really hardships, and realizing that you can find happiness in the true sense. Um, does that mean burying your head in the sand? No. Does it mean happy, happy? No. It's a, it's a, different, it's a different kind of happiness. It has to do with Finding fulfillment and finding meaning. Now you're giving it. You're giving. Oh, it yeah. Away. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I'm jumping ahead, aren't I? Yeah. She's got. She's got it lined up, and I'm going to. No, to no, you no. Know, I'm just. I'm. What I'm saying is that you're going right to the heart of it. Right yeah. to the heart of it. Yeah. That's well. That's what people say I do. Yeah. But I, you know, I read these articles. I go over them. I compare them to what we've written and see where there's crossovers. And in this, there's a lot. There are. Their language is different than ours. Um, I wouldn't have used the word happiness because, to me, when people use that word, they... It can be misleading. Yeah, it conjures up pretty sh shallow, inconsequential, meaningless okay. stuff. But that's not so, what they're... That's so not. what word would you use? Or what word do you usually use? To, to, for what they're talking about, what we're talking I about. I think we talk about the resilience of the human spirit. I, I, I really do. I think that um, through struggles and hardships and difficulties, that's what people can come to. Um, they're, they're calling it, there, is what, there are things to do to find happiness through the difficulties. Mm -hmm. And frankly, they're right. I know they're right. Um, in fact, we've done so much work on trauma recovery. We've written a book about it, Trauma Healing the Hidden Epidemic. We've written a lot of papers about it. We deal with helping people recover from trauma. Um, and, you know, I, I listened to that, and, you know, one of the things that we've seen over and over again is that as people get through the impact of the traumas that they've been through, and we are able to decompress the emotional pent-up charges from it, what we really begin to see is a new, a new person. Um, we begin to re recognize somebody that is on the path to growth and meaning in their life again. And I don't know if they were, they're not, we're not talking about people that always were on that path, but it sure comes out of this. And we've seen so much of that through the years. It's what gives us fulfillment, because we have to ride out a very tough uh, storm with these folks, you know, and take them through that. But yet we have seen so many come through different people, and continually these people find new purpose, new meaning, new growth. In the clinical world, they call it post-traumatic growth. And that's exactly what it is. So this article is more geared toward that. 
It is, in fact, that's the the kind of the the message that in in the article. And let me just quickly, I want to give credit to the author. Uh, her name is Sari Harar. Uh, again, the article is "Happiness in Hard Times," published in the June-July issue of AARP magazine. Mm -hmm. She had uh, in her article she talks about three lessons, and the first one is very much along the lines of what you're talking mm -hmm. about. It's called "Happiness is Possible in Dark Hours." And she talks about uh, the resilience as a result of feeling, cultivating, and I'm gonna, her words are very different, the ordinary magic of fleeting positive emotions and finding positive meaning in those moments. You know, I, I'm glad you read it that way. Um, I've read this several times and I've read our, over our stuff too. Um, I like this because I, I can really, uh, I have to say, when I read something like this, I'm one of the litmus tests about how real this is because I'm dealing with not just helping other people through their hardships, but I'm dealing with my wife who's dying. And um, I go through plenty. I love my wife dearly, uh, more than dearly. She's, a, she's just part of my soul and heart. And when I read something like this, it has got to pass my litmus test. It's got to be something that is relevant, real, and I know from pure personal experience that this is the truth. And this, this particular part that you're talking about is true. And there are, um, when she says fleeting moments, there are things that you need to, to focus on, to, to, to find ways to lighten up your heaviness and the load. It may not last. She calls it the magic moments, I think. The ordinary magic of fleeting positive moments and emotions. Okay, and really what she's talking about is there are things in life um, that can give you some pleasure, that can give you some relief, that, can, that you can enjoy temporarily. It doesn't mean that you haven't been affected or impacted by difficulties and hardships. On the contrary, but it does give you that breathing space and it teaches you a new appreciation and gratitude for the little things. We've talked about that so much. Now, I can't say I'm a veteran personally of this. It's something relatively new in my life. Um, and yet it's so real. And I do grasp those moments. They mean so much to me. In the world of caregiving, they call it self-care. And how important it is to keep the caregivers and loved ones, uh, how to keep them going and prevent them from going sour and toxic and self-destructive. So... I know that what this lady's talking about, or whatever it is, is absolutely correct. And they, they do come. They do come, and she also uh, goes on to mention, and this is again very much similar to what we talk about, that if you look at those moments that happen, that come along, uh, you'll, you, what you find most often is that they involve uh, moments of empathy for others, compassion, yeah. hope, or joy in reaching out. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we, there's other people that she's mentioned through this article that's mentioned. They all come to the same place. We know it's true. And, um, you know, I, I work at helping a lot of people dealing with loss and grief and pain and trauma. And yet I have my own. Not just my history, but what's going on in my life now. And it's amazing to me because in showing and relating and feeling the empathy for others, it gives me a new meaning, a new purpose, a new 
fulfillment in my in my life that I wouldn't have had otherwise. That doesn't mean that I'm not going through difficulties. It just shifts me into caring about other people for a while. And it gets me, it takes me away from my very close emotional um, vision and uh, uh, experience with my wife. And I need that distance sometimes. I need to have uh, a time to reflect. I need to see that there's other people that are suffering and in pain too. It doesn't mean my or my wife says any less. It just means caring for other people. It gives me a new sense of purpose and meaning in my life. And it helps me understand things that I didn't understand before. And it helps me to be able to go back caring for my wife and my mother um, in a way that is so, has so much meaning to it. It's, it's real. It's not, it's not pretend. Um, I'm not running away from anything. Um, I feel a deep sense of connectedness with them, and it, I almost feel the sense of a privilege and how precious this experience is to be with them and to share in these moments with them. Painful, agonizing, heart-wrenching at times, absolutely. But at the same time, I come out of it, I know I'm going to come out with a, my perspective. I know I'm going to be able to do things to feel better, and I know I have to. Um, a lady uh, at one of the uh, caregiver, what's it called, Reverend Caregivers Resource Center, mm -hmm. a very good organization, helping folks that, uh, family members particularly, uh, who are caregivers for their loved ones. And the lady who I think of very much, should I mention it, Connie, Connie Lorenzo, an outstanding social worker and remarkable woman there. And she was, uh, she said to me, we were talking, and she said, you have this ability to really be vulnerable and open and then just when you when you need to, to come through it and then to reach out and take care of it and help others and she says you have that ability to go back and forth i've been doing that a long time in my work and in my life it, it is a, it's a saving grace believe me not i don't know if everybody can do it but i have to do it and in this article they talk about that as being a sense of happiness yes let's it, let's come back to that sure yeah because what you just said, I want to come back to it so people hear it again. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Peter and I are here and we are talking about a very important subject for everyone right now, which is, is it possible to have, find happiness in very hard times? Uh, we're coming from an article that was published in AARP. And just before the break, we were talking about one of the points uh, made and that we have made many times is um, and we're talking about happiness here not as that kind of uh, pretending uh, performance type uh, light things. We're talking about the, the deeper, more fulfilling happiness. And so are they. And so are they in the article. And what, well, I just want to say again, Peter, what you were saying just before the break, that uh, the article points out, and we agree, that the moments of deepest 
happiness or fulfillment or satisfaction in life often come when we shift our perspective from ourselves to others mm -hmm. and reach out to them, have empathy and compassion for where they are. Um, you mentioned that you have developed and ha you know this, other people have noticed that you've developed a way to, even when you're in, in great deal of pain yourself, to shift and focus on others. And you mentioned that that experience for you is a privilege and it is precious, well, even the, though it's painful. Well, the part that I consider a privilege is tending to someone who's sick and dying. I don't, and it's a selfless act now. <laughs> Forgive me, but this is the truth. I've been in the helping professions and in trauma recovery for almost 50 years. I wouldn't have called myself selfless. I really, now that I look back on it, now that I know what selflessness means, um, now I know what a privilege it is um, at different times in life to be able to give to others and not expect a whole lot back at all. In fact, the least little thing can mean so much. Um, I. I smile because I think about if if when I take care of my wife, if I even if she is breathing in the morning and her eyes open for a minute, that makes my day. If she holds my hand a little bit, that makes my day. Um, the littlest things other people may not consider it very important. I do. You had a um, a little video I was that just Tamar sent oh. uh, your mom. Hello, Tamar. Yeah, it was a little thing there too that just was wonderful. My 95-year-old mother is also uh, going through older age issues and she's got some dementia. She's a character. She always was. And uh, one of her caregivers from hospice, who's an angel, her name was Tamar. And she sent me a, video, a short video of my mother. I laugh when I think about it. It tickles me. And she's, she's kind of talking to my mother to bring her out so she would talk to me on this video and they would send it to me. And it is, it's funny, it's cute and it's funny. And yet my mother has dementia. Um, <laughs> and a couple of things as my, uh, as tomorrow's kind of interviewing my mother, um, she says some funny things. And then, and then my mother looks at tomorrow and goes, where were you? <laughs> that's, this is, that's for my mother being nice. <laughs> and Tomorrow says, I've been here. She's, well, I didn't see you. I just no, I've been here. And then the the uh, my mother says, "Well, did you know what happened yesterday?" And she said, "No, what happened? There was a fire here. You knew that." And men says, "There was no fire here." Well, then there was a robbery here. Did you know that? And the says, "No, there wasn't." And everybody is laughing because my mother is saying it in a funny. It's funny, and she's funny. She's not. She's it, the whole thing is just cute and it's touching. Yeah, the touching part too. There was a touching part, oh, which was touching. that she wanted you to know that she was looking out for you. Yes, and she says, I'm looking out for you all the time. She's yeah. so sweet. Yeah. Um, but it, she's got dementia and Alzheimer's. Yeah, there's, there's sort of this swing that you go yeah. through. <laughs> and it's funny. She's got a funny personality, but now she's so sweet. And those, that little video sent to me and sure, just tickled my heart and soul. It meant so much to me. And it wasn't much. And yet these little things mean so much now. And my appreciation has grown tremendously. And it means a lot to keep me going. I have other things. I personally love animals. I have a big German Shepherd dog, Benny, who also works at our uh, Trauma Recovery Institute. 
I have a couple of cutting horses that I love and I, I, I take really good care of. Um, it's a sport that I love in the, in the horse world. It's more of a rodeo type sport. Um, I put the competition part on hold while Lynn is sick. I just don't like to travel and be away from her. But I have my horses about eight minutes from the Institute. And I see them several, three, four times a week. It means a lot to me. Those are precious moments of, when I say happiness, it doesn't say that I'm just not paying it, that I don't know things are rough at home it's, or at work. It's just that it gives me a respite. And it's those fleeting magical moments and they really make a difference. Yeah. Um, this, whatever the psychologist, I can't remember, brought that up. They called it um, yes. ordinary magical moments. Uh, who was that? That was... Ah, uh, you know, it's taking me too long to find it, because it, there's a point that I, so I wanted to respond to you, because in another part of the article, um, the author says, or reports on someone saying, that it's so easy for us to say, to, 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 to kind of dismiss those fleeting moments, to say, look at the, the how big the bigger problems and just go oh that little thing i'm not going to get into it I'm and not that's such a terrible it. mistake in self and what a mistake that is and Very. how often do we do that all of us do it and i have to consciously self-correct when i do it um, I'm very, I'll be honest, it doesn't bring up the art. I'm very economical with my energy now, too. I want my energy to go to the things that really matter. And if there are provocations as, as the world presents provocative situations, a lot of things, yes. some people are not very nice. And you know what's interesting? I'm still the same person. I still have a very strong temper. I have all of those things inside of me that haven't, I'd like to say they've changed, I think they're managed. I'm not changed. But you know what I've learned? To self-correct as quick as I can because it's a waste of valuable, precious energy that you go to more important things. Now, in a later part of the article, they talk about older people and there's a change in them. I'm one of them. And um, <laughs> A good part of it. A, good, a very good part. It was an interesting thing to read that how, how as we get older, um, toward the latter part of life, how our, our response to difficult times changes mm -hmm. and what we're able to do differently. And it's written by a neurobiologist. Yeah. And they talk about our brains, the wiring in our brains begin to change as we get older. Um, and they talk about how we begin to see things in perspective. It could be all the years of experience and wisdom, um, it can also look at things differently in the sense of a more measured re reaction or response. Um, it's having this perspective that you don't have when you're younger, that it's not worth getting riled up about. Well, I gotta say, I got some maturing to go through because I can't say I'm there 100% at all. But I'll tell you what, it's true. Um, it's almost like the changes that happen in the brain when a teenager becomes an adult. They say it's, it's almost as dramatic as those it, types of that changes. That kind of change. Well, this one is like going from midlife to older age, and there is that shift. And you can really find happiness and fulfillment in your older years and live a better life. She says, uh, she quote, the quote from the article is, um, that it's, it's some brain, like you said, some brain rewiring that takes place. Uh, this is for people like in their 50s and older. They start to gain new wisdom and stability. 
find it easier, more natural to focus on what's good and on what matters to them. And one of the specific things that she said that we really noticed was that that it part of it could be coming to terms with our limitations. Ah, that's, I want to tell you, that's a big one. But, you know, I also think, because in the article they came up with some things that you can do during these difficult times um, that older folks do when they reflect on their losses or they reflect on their past. And there's ways to lift their spirits. And, uh, they talked about um, reminiscing about um, old experiences in the past that were sweet or touching or, or uh, meaningful. Um, they talked about looking through an, uh, an old picture album and, re and reflecting on some of the sweet moments from those pictures and the sweet people. Um, they talk about finding ways to focus on things in a way that will lift your spirits. And they have meaning. They're not also lightweight, and yet it's, an older person is able to do that in a, in a way that has certain, a certain proportion to it. It has a certain balance that they reap the rewards of these, these things that other people may not think are very touching. And yet an older person has the wisdom and experience to know, oh no, these are, these are really, precious. These are what really matter. That's right. That's one of the things we can learn um, I'm not one of the younger people, but these are one of the things that we could learn through dealing with hardship and difficulty, is that, that perspective that older folks have and um, reflecting and realizing that we need time to refresh ourselves, renew ourselves, uplift ourselves. Does it have to be big, dramatic things? Not necessarily at all. I think that right there is, is a mistake that I know I have felt and certainly I think more when I was younger, that I needed, I wanted to go out there and do something big or achieve something big. And I wanted it to matter. And thought that when I had done that, I would be, I would feel fulfillment, happiness. Um, another way, this, it wasn't me so much, but for other people that big thing might be money or status or whatever. And, and this article is saying those big things are not what really are going to do it. Yeah, and we've talked about it in our language many times before about um, what people think are going to bring them happiness and fulfillment. And it's usually external things, money, status. They talk about it too, that we make some really dumb mistakes in believing that because that is not what's going to keep us going. It's not what's going to fulfill, fulfill us at all. It's not, it's the things that are internal that give us fulfillment that are so different and they're not material and they're not status and they're not necessarily worldly, they're personal. So um, I love it that this article is reiterating some of the things that we say and they're saying it in another way and I like that. One of the things they bring up in this article, I know we have a couple of minutes before the break, is the importance of music. Mm. Now if you look at how we run our institute and, um, and we have music going all the time. And uh, for me, I'm from New Jersey, so who do you think is my icon? Frank Sinatra, he comes from my neighborhood. A lot of, not my neighborhood, but close by, I know, but when I was from Newark. And you know what? I love to listen to Frank Sinatra in different moods, in different albums. And I'll play it in our waiting room. I play it outside at the hot tub. I'll play it in the morning. He has a different way. But I like that. We play music 
when we work with people and bringing them through trauma, and when we want to get them to a place of settling down and, and kind of letting go of some of the really intense emotional states that they that we've gotten them through, but we want them to come down. And music we do, is powerful. We use music, and it really is powerful. It is, yeah. So I think it's very important. It also gives you hope. And um, um, this article talks about how important um, music is, and they, they've been talking about the uh, hospitals and the uh, emergency rooms and the, C, uh, the, the uh, critical care units in New York City particularly, and how those frontline workers, and we've talked about them, are under such incredible, it's like a war zone. Mm -hmm. And they talk about the music, and they play one song over and over during that time, particularly when someone is improving and leaving the hospital. It's, um, it's Here a Here comes the sun. What is it? Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. George Harrison's song. Yeah. And yeah. it's interesting when you hear about the state he was in when he wrote that. It wasn't yeah, happy. It wasn't happy. happy, but that's what came through. Yes. And that came out of one of his very hard times. In very fact, he wrote times. that as the end of the Beatles that's their career. That was the last song. That when they, they were editing it, that was the last yeah, song they were together. Yeah. In fact, yeah. John Lennon had been in a car accident. He wasn't even part of it. He was the recording. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting thing. And that music, she, the lady was talking about, one of the nurses says, it lifts her spirit when she hears it because she knows somebody's leaving. That's the signal. That somebody's, somebody's recovering. And they're recovering. They're That's getting right. off the ventilators. They're leaving the hospital. I, I tell you, music has a great effect on people. Wonderful. I like. I also like classical music. So I enjoy listening to that at times, too. But this article makes a big deal. Okay. All right. Okay. So we're gonna. You, I'm, I'm gonna pull the plug. Go You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Peter and I are having a good discussion here based on an article, uh, Happiness in Hard Times, uh, in a recent AARP magazine. We're talking about how to find, how to have some of the more uh, deeper fulfillment, satisfaction, moments of joy, uh, the the things that really matter, uh, we don't always call that happiness, That's but that is what the article author intends for people to understand. And uh, how do we bring that into our life and create that in very difficult times? And I, to tell you everything we talked about, I'd have to take about the same amount of time. So I just want to say that let's, I'd like to move to one other thing that, that she mentions in the article. Uh, a couple of other things to keep in mind, and the first one is that these these experiences of deeper happiness also depend on our relationships, uh, on connecting with others. We're on the same wavelength. And she her, she makes the point. I'll just start off by saying that she does make the point that it's not the number yeah. of people in your life. It isn't even the number of committed relationships in your life. It is the quality of the relationships. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to bring it up. I thought that was a great point. We emphasize that. And you know what's very interesting to me? Folks that are not comfortable in relating to people really lose out. We watch it. 
and folks that are have suffered from a lot of trauma who really have trouble with relationships miss out on so much ability to heal. But the quality of a relationship to find a, a, a trust and a love for your fellow man and to enjoy the exchanges, that is one, you know, that's one of the reasons why I don't walk around the streets calling myself Dr. Bernstein, because it acts as a barrier between me and people that know me. And I don't want them to think that way. But I enjoy relating, and people enjoy relating to me. Now, that doesn't mean every, every moment is happy. These folks relate to my wife. They loved her. She was very kind and very wonderful presence, beautiful presence. Um, and so we talk about very human things, and they want to know how Lynn is. They want to know sometimes, how are you doing? How are you? Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes that's a hard question for you to answer. And they know when I'm hurting. They yeah. only ask it when they go, you okay? And sometimes when I'm at the gym, I'm not really ready to talk because I'm hurting. Um, they care. And they'll share with me at different times when they're hurting and they're struggling. But there's an exchange of a love and caring for each other. Um, folks that don't know how to relate or don't trust and don't really, be honest with you, aren't really, they don't really like people. That's a tremendous loss and it feeds a loop that's very negative and um, sometimes it has a lot to do with paranoia by the way. I'm, I'm going to say that people who are, live that way often have a history of trauma. Exactly. Oh, always. Always. Um, and they're just, there's distrust there usually. They don't like people. That was something that they took in uh, at some point in their life and yeah. have not worked at all. Uh, or they're very concerned about what other people think. Or they're worried about that. And they're comparing themselves which is always a way to, you want to feel bad. Keep doing that one. Yeah. Um, and those are the kind of things that, instead of feeding the soul, create inflammation in the system. And it's been proven physically. These are the kind of things that eventually feed into strokes and cardiovascular problems and and uh, other kinds of physical problems because they begin to their systems begin to burn out. They're not fueling and seeing and getting a way to refuel. And yet, this is one of the key ways: is relationships the meaningful, important relationships. Another one, too, is to appreciate and savor the moments that are beautiful. Um, you know, it, it, you it doesn't talked, take a lot. Yeah, you talked briefly, uh, or you talked in the last segment about uh, remembering and savoring past moments, but now we're talking about the ones in the present, too. Mm -hmm. The ones that it might be easy to just sort of miss as they go by. Yeah. I think there's some, some beautiful things in the United you just look at a sunrise, or you look at a sunset, or um, you appreciate nature. Um, now, I'm not a nature lover. Lynn no. was really, I mean, she could look at, we're on our ranch, she could take a walk down one of the roads, and tears would be flowing, and she would be so touched by God's hand and the beauty. Uh, You'd rather be out in your No, I'd out. rather be someplace else. <laughs> but, and, and yet, that's another thing. It's just different strokes for different folks. But you know, those moments mean a lot. Yeah. And um, I'll be on, I'll tell you a little funny story about us, and, and it is funny because I've changed a lot. At our institute, we are under a lot of stress and a lot of hard work, and we're doing we're juggling a lot of things at our institute and helping people. And, and uh, when we get done, our work has been very painful. We're going through struggles with folks. It affects us. And um, I would watch people on their breaks, Jenny. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, she'd be doing things like, I go, what are you? And she'd be out in the laundry room, 
<laughs> I couldn't believe it. And she'd be picking up these big, heavy bags of this laundry. Cause our, we have a sheet service. Sheets from our, our, our treatment rooms and stuff. And they're heavy, right? And she would, and I go, Jenny, let me help. She says, no. No. And I go, are you kidding me? And these are big bags. And she'd have to take them all the way downstairs and da da da. I go, what the heck is. She loved doing it because it took her mind away from things. And it's these simple pleasures that people enjoy. I used to look at my, our staff and I'd see them on their breaks sitting in front of computers. Like they didn't do that during their work time too, you know. And yet I didn't realize they're doing other things that they really enjoy. Um, I've seen other people. I'm one of them who likes to clean. Yeah, give this man Windex. Yes, I love Windex. He's yes. happy. I'm one of those. Um, what was that? The, my, my big fat Greek wedding. Yeah, yeah you know, not, you don't cure with it. I'm like that. You clean. I clean. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like. But you know what? It gives me a break. Something menial and physical. I love physical work, and uh, it gives me a break. My mind is at rest, and I love doing it. Now my. I work really hard and I'm very physical and I can come in feeling whoa I've done a lot but I enjoy it and I've been that all like that all my life now other people would look at it and go boy he works hard I mean what does he do with these horses and he gets injured and da, 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 da. not that they're injuring me but the sport can be very painful at times and yet I love it I enjoy it I enjoy cleaning the stalls or bedding the stalls I enjoy a lot of things that are hard work and there's workers there at the, where we keep our horses now, and you know what? I like doing it anyway, because it gives me a break to come back. I feel, in some ways, very refreshed. Um, we have other people that like to deal with flowers a lot. Like flowers, watering, arranging, gardening, just, cooking. Right. Yeah. Cooking, ooh. Yeah, yeah we have We're great food. food. Our institute, we have chef-level excellent food because some of our staff love to cook on their breaks and we have some incredibly good cooks and she has to be one who this old lady i don't even want to tell you when i first met her she huge, was huge huge change well she was not <laughs> domestic she didn't like cooking at all trust no, me i did not cook. today you should see i mean uh, it's really enjoyable to go with some of my staff when we go out to eat they study the cook the chefs i mean they really analyze the food so they can go home and make it themselves and they it's funny to watch i just eat it and enjoy it they analyze it and they want to know about every measure of herb or whatever and you know what? it's fun because they can come up with some great meals we have when i left the institute there was a new lady she's she used to have a florist her family yes and she was fixing she, she loves doing the flowers. She loves the flowers and she's a caregiver Yes. And she works hard, and she's been taking care of her very sick husband for 14 years. Long time. And her family. And yet this woman just adores, in between take caregiving, to do flowers. And she does a gorgeous job. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, people enjoy different things. These are those magical moments of happiness. They are. And yet, all those people around us work very hard in very painful, challenging, difficult circumstances. So it'll tell you that even during these very tough times, mm -hmm. there are fleeting magical moments that we need. Yes. Um, I the think that this is in a certain way. A, a very healing and very sustaining. Yes. So um, I think this article that they, they've written lately is very timely. There's, so, there's a related part well, from what we were just talking about. Uh, and you, you mentioned it too, is that the other thing uh, they stress is the importance of moving and breathing. 
physical, uh, physical release, and uh, we talk about that all the mm-hmm. time. Um, for you, that's particular. I think for all of us, that's oh, true. For you, that's very particularly true. Well, I'll tell you, I'll share a moment with you uh, personally, um, and it just happens. Um, I was hit yesterday by how far my wife is deteriorating. It's breaking my heart. And when I when I get this view, this very the perspective on what's happening, and I love her, and I'm watching it. It's breaking my heart. And today I came home, and I be honest with you, when I came back. I couldn't get, I couldn't shake it, and I went to, I just broke down, but it wasn't just, I always felt like just an open wound, and I think, I can't stay here, I'm, I can let it out, and whatever, and yet, I just, I just felt raw, and um, I'm thinking, what, what am I going to do here, and um, I thought, and you know what I did, I wound up doing exercise, which mm-hmm. I do anyway. But I said, you know what, and in the middle of, I'm crying in the middle of the exercise. Mm -hmm. I I cannot remember ever doing that before, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you, ever. Mm -hmm. This was a first, and yet I'm thinking, I'm going to do this, and if i got to cry, I'm kind of crying. Nobody's around, I'm not going to, but I'm going to do this. And it was funny, as I began to, and my exercise is vigorous, it's not like lightweight. You take it seriously. Yeah, Yeah. I've been exercising for a long time with weightlifting and whatever, but... It began. To, I began to feel myself begin to shift. You were decompressing. Decompress and shifting, and all of a sudden, I didn't feel raw anymore, like an open wound, and I felt more like myself, and I was ready to meet the world again. Now that doesn't mean my situation with Lynn has changed or my mom, but yet I was ready to go back to work. I was ready to do this podcast. I was ready to clean up, get dressed, have a bite to eat, and move on. And I got to tell you, I was relieved. I've never, I've got to say, this was a first for me. I've always done calisthenic exercise, weightlifting, whatever. And you've the, always taken time out to cry if you need to. Yeah, That's um, not the new part. No, the but I've never, was... I've never done that doing work, a workout, never. Yeah, yeah. This one, I went into the workout crying, and um, I began to feel a shift that I could not find any other way. And I began to feel myself, feel better. And I realized, you know, these are the moments that we all need to find. Now, not working out isn't for everybody. Some people would rather walk, have a nature walk. Mm-hmm. and that's Some other physical expression. Whatever it is. Right. And it's not the same for everybody. We're all wired differently. But for me, this is one of the things that helps me. Riding horses. Vigorously riding horses. Um, competing. I love competing on racing cars. I love um, competing on cutting horses. Um, uh, they're just physical things that does it for me and yet for other people it could be taking a walk watching a sunset or a sunrise I love those things too dancing or yoga absolutely yoga no I I know a lot of people like yoga right Mm -hmm. I don't that's not for you but you know what a lot of other people really love it and they benefit tremendously from it I've done it plenty of times for me I doesn't work (laughs) forgive me the yoga people but I know a lot of friends of mine who love yoga and it really helps them. So it, 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 we're all wired differently. And yet we need to have those moments. And we need to capitalize on them because it's going to take us. Those moments give us some happiness. Mm-hmm. It's not denial. It's not burying our head in the sand. That's not it. That causes trouble, by the way. It's, it's just taking a break. It's taking care of ourselves, grabbing those fleeting moments. 
because we are going to go back to... We're going to have to go back to the situation out there mm, and in our lives. That's right. That's right. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Peter and I are talking about finding significant, deeper happiness, not not just happy, happy, but real satisfaction in life and uh, uh, through difficult times. And we've been covering a lot of good information uh, that just really fits in with how we've seen things uh, from this article, Happiness in Hard Times in AARP Magazine by Siri Harar. I wanted, we have one more segment and I know you wanna cover some music and we're gonna do that, but I wanted to point out one thing that, that I thought really did connect into how we see things from the article um, that she stresses in the article that what when when we can work toward finding meaning in even in hard times and we can develop resilience that way that the way that that happens is first we do need to acknowledge that things are hard right. acknowledge how we feel about it absolutely then even with those painful times and yes. feelings to uh, think about what's important to us, what matters the most, and then, a real key, act on it. Right. And I don't want to leave this without, because I think that is a real key here. She says that when you, with, if you don't do that, you're going to just kind of spiral into feeling like a victim. You know, they did a lot of studies, particularly on terminally ill children and, and cancer patients, and that's what that's coming from. And it's, it's the, it's the folks that, number one, look for a meaning or a purpose to going through all of this. Um, not denying it, because they're, they're feeling the pain, they're feeling the frustration, they're, they're definitely feeling everything that they're going through, and yet they're looking at something more meaningful through it all. And um, they, they have a certain sense of realism and a sense of hope and a sense of compassion. And I have seen this with children that have terminal cancer. Uh, St. Jude's does some beautiful, has over the years done some beautiful work with them. And what really astounds me is these young children have such a profound wisdom of understanding life and death. And they seem to, it's, you can't even find it in a lot of adults. But because these children are facing their own... They're feeling where they are. And, and what they're going through. And what they're going through. And yet, they have a sense of compassion and hope. And they're real. They're very real. Very realistic. So, and you can tell that there's a, there, these, even these children, when I say even, I shouldn't say it that way, are searching f- and for the meaning and the purpose of these difficulties. I see it. It just astounds me. So, one of the things we've always talked about is that to find resilience through these difficulties. There's also looking for a higher sense of purpose of what's this all about? What's, you know, it's what is, what are our values? How does this go, how does this fit our value system? Which could be 
finding the good values in our life, our spiritual life. We've always talked about that. We've talked about our compassion and, and love for our fellow man, our caring ways. Um, um, God, there's a, diff a lot of different things that we go along with our values that we can kind of ex take out of all of this. And then, as you said, step back from where we are and begin to look at people that are having a lot harder than we, we do. And then begin to act on doing certain things that go along with these values that are really higher values and better values of character and integrity and decency and goodness. It's a very fulfilling thing. I, I, I ran up against a, a man I had to go to Whole Foods today and he was, he was just sitting on the ground with it. I wasn't sure if he was homeless. And I said, uh, what are you doing? And he says, I, I live outside. And I go, you mean here? And he says, yeah, it's beautiful weather. And I go, okay. I said, um, and he liked me. He says, I like your car. And I said, oh, thank you. <laughs> and he says, you look good. You, and I, he didn't look bad. Uh -huh. And um, then I realized, I says, do you have a place to stay? He says, no, this is where I'm going to stay. I said, okay. And it was an interesting thing because, of course, it gave him some help financially. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't think just nickel and dime. If I see somebody like that, I'm going to give him some money. Yeah. But I felt so good. And he did too. Mm -hmm. And he felt a, a connection and a compassion and a camaraderie. And um, I know when I was leaving and going away, he would say goodbye. And he says, he just said some sweet things. And he wasn't a broken down old beat up man, but he was certainly homeless. Mm -hmm. I find that those kind of things, in the midst of, and this is what I was feeling, by the way, like an open wound, I was hurting. Yeah. Lift my spirits and begin to add some, like a balm or a salve of healing onto my wounds. That's what gives me pleasure, one of the things. I, I think that what we're talking about today is very important, that we're, we're facing difficult times. We live in an we work and live ourselves in extra. We've talked about it, an extraordinary reality. We're people helpers. We're into trauma recovery. We're into caregiving. We're, we do some difficult work with veterans and, and their families and all caregivers in difficulties. But you know what? Now everybody's facing extraordinary realities with their mental everyone, health, everyone. with their physicality, their finances. Their finances. It's all hitting at once. So we're not the only ones. But not, not everybody has practice in finding and seeking the purpose and meaning of all of this and looking for a higher good and having a compassion and caring for a fellow man who may be having it even harder than we do. Right. I would recommend that people in the midst of what's happening these days Take a more compassionate look and a less destructive act. I think, I think you would. I think people are surprised when they reach out, uh, when they're able to, when they shift away from the legitimately difficult things that they're going through and thinking, I don't have anything left for anyone else. I think people are surprised, I know I have been, that you can, that you, if you shift, you will have something to give. You aren't, uh, you aren't stuck with only the very difficult situation you're in. It is possible to put that aside and reach out and help someone that else. That is so important. 
because it takes us out of ourselves and our own struggles. Yeah. And so many studies have been done on this and shown that people actually find find a, a growth and a development. It's a strengthening. It does. It, you feel better about yourself and you go, hey, I did something worth doing. Yeah. I'm not, uh, my situation, I am not hopeless and helpless. And I got to recommend, um, I really hope, and I feel this article and our talk today is so timely because people are, what they're doing, they're so destructive now. And what they consider compassion has turned out to be so incredibly destructive. And I don't believe that that's the purpose and meaning of all these struggles. I think it does miss a major point, yes. Yeah, they're missing, they're missing a major point, and a lot of people are being hurt on all sides. Yeah. And that's the problem. It's yeah. Instead of caring for your fellow man, it's, create, it's taking sides against each other. Yeah. I think that's heartbreaking. Yeah. And I, I, we've seen it, we know it could happen, and... I certainly don't agree with it, and I don't like it. Do I think it can be happen to anybody? Of course. But, we can all go there. But what we're talking about today is a way to not do that. Not do that. And yeah. to really go for a higher good. For what the real, the real satisfaction, the real resilience, the real fulfillment in life. That's right. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Speaking of which, I want to leave time. You have some music singers. I have some songs. Yeah, no, we were, I'm not going to sing them. We were talking about the, the power of and and, and re, rejuvenation from uh, positive music, hope. positive moments in music. Okay, I'm a, these are classic now, songs. Now, see, I looked at this list, and my, my the ones I picked out were different things. Oh, really? Yes, yes. Oh, wow. So you go ahead, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll compare lists. Okay, here. I'm going to go through some of my favorites. Okay. And one of them is by Louis Armstrong, and it's "What a Wonderful World." I, I agree love with that, that one. song. I agree with that. And he sang with so. Oh. Yes. Such heart and soul. Absolutely. Uh, and another one is, who I, which I really like, is called Happy by Farrell. Okay. And it's such a good song. It makes me happy just to hear it. Uh, Bridge Over Troubled Waters, Simon Garfunkel. The Beatles, Here Comes the Sun. Mm -hmm. That's a really good one. Um, an old one that I don't yeah, it wasn't my favorite style, but it was called What the World Needs Now is Love. And that oh, was Dionne Dionne Warwick. Dionne Warwick. Yes. And Hank Williams, I Saw the Light. I love yes, that. That's a good one. Yeah. And, okay. of course, anything Frank Sinatra sings, as far as I'm concerned, he takes over this whole list. But that's my prejudice, so, or my bias. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I want to hear what you're So, I'm a different generation. All right. And <laughs> so, I've got uh, Don't Stop, Fleetwood Mac. Really? Oh, absolutely. Nice. And then uh, Don't Stop, Believe, and Journey. That's a great one. Uh, and I do like Walking on Sunshine, Katrina and the Waves. That's a very good song. Very happy. Um, uh, what is the other one here? You know, I don't like that I was the disco generation, but I will say that I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. Oh, yeah. Had a real good feel to That's it. That's a good one. Okay. So yeah. so we'll take the disco out of that. But let me go over. What did you say? Oh. Uh, Katrina and the Waves, Walking even, on Sunshine. What is that? Who are I'm not going to sing it. I mean, I take chances on okay, the podcast, but I'm not singing. Okay. Okay. This is a sign of age. I have no clue. <laughs> maybe, so. maybe. Oh, oh, this is a very boppy 80s tune. I, I don't even know who that is. Yes, I'm walking on sunshine. Okay. Very happy. Okay. Very good. And Gloria Estevan, who I like called Coming Out of the Dark. Uh -huh. I don't remember this I don't song. know that one either. I liked her. Yes. I liked it very much. And um, The River of Dreams, Billy Joel. Okay. He comes from our area. So we got wood ones. Anyway. And... We, we did that. We are precision work today because we're just closing in here. And uh, I hope this helps today. Yeah. It's helping me, so I hope it helps you. 
And we will, we hope, we do hope, because yeah. that was the point today. Uh, things are, are very conflictual, very difficult, and we wanted to bring a, a, a positive, helpful message, and I think we did that. Realistic. Very, realistically so. The Survivor's Guide to Life is made possible through a grant from Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 public charity that relies entirely on donations from people like you. Mm. If our podcast has benefited you, please visit www.sctraumatreatment.org and click on donations. We also have a GoFundMe uh, campaign uh, for SC Trauma Treatment and it is available to help. Uh, the Survivor's Guide to Life, our website, survive, the Survivor's Guide to Life.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Please follow us and like us. We, as Steve always says, we're on YouTube, and uh, our podcast is on our website. There are other resources on our website as well. Next thing I always say is if you want to get in touch with us, which we would love feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We are at 707-781-3335, or I'm at Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com. Thank you for listening. 